Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Hebrews 11:6. How do we speak of our faith in God? What words would we choose to describe our faith in Him? I stand for Jesus, many would say, or I'm firmly committed to the Lord. Faith to some is best described as an allegiance to Christ, a kind of siding with Him and His cause. This, they feel, is faith. Uh, but I don't think so. Faith has little to do with commitment or allegiance. <laughs> when we place our faith in Christ, we are not so much taking a stand for Him as we are acknowledging the stand He takes for us. Faith is self-despairing trust in the Lord. It is coming to Him in empty-handed poverty. Faith is surrendering all, even our sense of duty, allegiance, or commitment. People of great faith are not measured by their shining commitment, but by the humbling degree to which they recognize how poor, absolutely dirt poor, they are in spirit. Their faith has power because they realize no good thing dwells within them. They bring to the Lord nothing but their open hands, ready to humbly receive whatever God and His mercy will give. Faith means being sure of Christ's commitment to you rather than your commitment to Him. Faith is having confidence in His love for you rather than your love for Him. So, if you want to place your faith in Christ, surrender all, everything to Him. This is faith that pleases God. Dear author and perfecter of my faith, I come to you today empty-handed with open palms. I praise you for being the source and wellspring of my faith. Please let me be strong only in you. Day 3, July 10th. I want to go home. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. 2 Peter 3.13 After a week of fun-filled activities at a recent retreat, I listened as the microphone was passed from family to family, each tearfully sharing how wonderful the time had been. Some talked of meeting new friends, others of the games, music, and hikes. A few said how they wished the week could go on and on. Then little red-haired, freckled-faced Jeff raised his hand. He had Down syndrome and had won the hearts of many people at the retreat. People had been captivated by his winsome smile and joyful spirit. Everyone leaned forward to hear his words. Jeff grabbed the mic and kept it short and sweet as he bellowed, Let's go home. He smiled, bowed, and handed back the microphone. Everyone roared with laughter. His mother told me later that even though Jeff thoroughly immersed himself in the week's festivities, he missed his daddy back home. I identify with Jeff. The good things in this world are pleasant enough, but... Would we really wish for it to go on as it is? I don't think so. 
The good things in this life are mere omens of even greater, more glorious things yet to come. God would not have us to mistake this world for a permanent dwelling. And I'm with Jeff. It's a good life, but I'm looking forward to going home. I miss my dad. Home is where your heart is. Never was a saying more true, for when Jesus captures your heart, you are then able to look forward to your home of righteousness. Oh, Lord of my heart, capture my affections this day and hold me fast with your love. Turn my heart ever increasingly toward you, and so I shall long for a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Day 4, July 11th. God watching. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Psalm 63, 6. As a child, my favorite part about visiting the beach was going to the boardwalk. After a day in the ocean, we'd shower, dress, and run up to the boardwalk for ice cream cones. My sisters and I would sit on the bench, lick our cones, and watch all the people stroll by. Kids with cotton candy, lovers ambling arm in arm, older ladies in flowered dresses with parasols, <laughs> people watching was the neatest part. I still enjoy looking at people, thinking about where they live, wondering where they work and if they're happy. <laughs> Studying people for me is a habit. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we were as conscious about studying God as we were people? Watching Him, wondering about Him, looking closely at what makes Him who He is, and, and just enjoying Him. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said, To contemplate God is a subject so vast that our thoughts are lost in His immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in His infinity. No subject of study will tend to humble the mind more than thoughts of God. But while contemplating God humbles the mind, it also expands the mind. Nothing will so enlarge your intellect or magnify your entire soul than a devout, earnest investigation of God. As today's scripture suggests, perhaps the best time to contemplate God is on your bed, even through the watches of the night. Without noise and distractions, and with your mind at rest, your thoughts will become lost in His immensity. Even Psalm 4.4 suggests, when you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Lord, I picture you walking along the beach with your disciples. I see you holding children in your arms. I imagine you touching the eyes of the blind. You are truly lovely to watch and behold. Day 5, July 12th, A Taste of Hell. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 8:12. Jesus' teaching about hell is meant to strike terror in our hearts, 
warning us that if heaven is better than we could dream, so hell will be worse than we can imagine. Hell warns us to seek heaven. When I was first injured, doctors pumped me up with powerful drugs to get rid of the infection that was raging through my body. When nurses turned me face down on the striker frame, I could only see the floor and people's feet. Horrified, I saw the ugly cloven hooves of demons where there should have been shoes of nurses. The feet of friends were webbed with claws. I screamed at the nurses not to flip me face up, fearful that I would see ugly monsters. But when they turned me over, I was shocked to find everything normal. What a hell. Oh, looking back, I know my terror was drug-induced. But those frightening images remained with me even through subsequent years of backsliding and bitterness. In fact, during those years when I teetered on the brink of rejecting Christ entirely, scary cloven hooves would flash in my mind. Oh, for me, it was a warning. We all go through hell now and then, but our hellish moments on earth can't even begin to touch the hell that awaits unbelievers. So why should we complain if God decides to give us a tiny infinitesimal taste of what actual hell could be like? Rather than be angry, be thankful that Jesus saves. There's nothing you could possibly be put through on earth that can even begin to feel like the real hell. So every time you think circumstances are hellish, Breathe a sigh of relief that Jesus has saved you from the real thing. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me.